Everyone deserves a decent place to live. Everyone. Decent shelter is something we all need to thrive. Through shelter, we empower. Visit Habitat.org to donate today. Now, from the cheap seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. All right, Brandon. Leading into the break, we were talking about this UNC-Oregon matchup. I want to I close down one thing that you and I have talked about at length here for a little while. Oregon does some things, if you pay close attention to this ball club, um, that, that kind of get lost in the numbers, Okay. And there are other teams out there that, that you can easily point your finger at and, and criticize the setup. And, and I want to say Oregon is well-prepared. Coach Dana Altman has done a great job with them because situationally, when it comes to the end of a half or it comes to an end-of-game situation, that Oregon team always knows exactly what they're doing. You don't see anybody in the country, it seems like, go two-for-one at the end of a half anymore. And, and for those that don't realize what I'm talking about, if you come in and you've got 40 seconds left on the shot clock, get down, take a quick shot. You know, even if you miss it, you're going to get the ball back in theory after the uh, after your opponent goes down. But you're going to get two shots for their one at the end of the half. Um, that's been a big deal for Oregon as we've gone down. And on the flip side of that, you see the UNC finish to the ball game the other day. Um, Kentucky ties it up couple of seconds left the mad dash and the dish to Luke May UNC gets the bucket wins the ball game at the buzzer Um, Roy Williams you got to give him much props for having his team prepared to react in a final second situation like that but how much time do you think these coaches spend first of all throughout the season and then during tournament preparation to get ready for those situations I'm sure they would tell you that they spend a lot of time on it during the course of the year. But if I would put myself in their position, I wouldn't spend any time unless you made until you made the tournament. And then I would spend a lot of time on it leading up. You have some time after the conference tournaments. But, you know, going all the way back to the Villanova Carolina game, that inbounds pass, you basically let them have it in. Then the kickback to Jenkins, he hits the uh, you know the three pointer. Same thing with the Florida uh, Wisconsin, Wisconsin game. Yeah, yeah. You can't let people get to the top of the arc like that at the end of the game. And I wa- I rewatched that today earlier before the show, and I just said, there's no way you can let that happen ever. Well, it's and, not even a matter. I, one of the points you made to me the other day is it's not even a matter of getting to the top of the arc. Um, the defense has got to do something to make them change direction yes. for, for a couple of reasons. One, you burn a little bit more clock. But the other thing is you break that momentum. It's one thing to be moving to your right, square up and shoot. But when you're able to charge straight down the middle of the court, you're, all of your momentum is carrying you toward the basket. That's a whole different animal. You have to herd them to one way or the other. you got to have them shooting across the body, especially if there was two – between two and three seconds left in that Florida-Wisconsin game, there's no way he should have been able to, even a runner, straight have a straight shot at the top of the arc. One thing I will say is that, you know, Jordan Bell almost averaged a double-double throughout the, the, the end, through the entire year. In the last six games, he has averaged 12.5 rebounds, which 
it's kind of amazing. Like it kind of takes the Boucher thing. Boucher, they would love to have him, but he's filling in nicely. My key to this, and, and Peyton Pritchard has played really well for them as well. What my key to this game is, if like Hicks or anybody else gets in trouble around the six eight six nine range, who's going to guard Dylan Brooks or Jordan Bell? Jordan Bell is like kind of a key to me. If you put Justin Jackson on him. At any point in the game, Justin Jackson has no lateral lateral defensive movement. I've seen him getting shaken out of his shoes. He's got an engine that won't stop, but he laterally he gets you know shaken up. He he gets crossed up quite a bit. If Bell or Dylan Brooks is assigned to Justin Jackson, I can see him getting taken out of his offensive game just a little bit in that Oregon Carolina matchup, and that could be a problem. All right, on the flip side, when you talk about who's going to check Dylan Brooks, if you put Isaiah Hicks on Dylan Brooks, Brooks is going to go for 40. Right. I suspect that it'll be Pinson that tries to check Brooks. Right. Um, Brooks can shoot over top of him. He's got a little bit of length on him. Um, But I do think Pinson has lateral quickness to keep him from attacking the rim. And that's where Dylan Brooks not only gets his points, but gets the entire team fired up because he comes down and throws down some crazy tomahawk dunk. Uh, Dylan Brooks' key to this game for Oregon. If Brooks doesn't get off, Oregon doesn't stand a chance. You talked about the the talent and the depth with UNC. Who knows where their offense is going to come from? Could be Barry, could be Jackson, could be Hicks. Um, They've got a lot of different options. Oregon has to play close to a perfect game here if UNC plays their best ball game. However, from my perspective, UNC played a very sloppy game against Kentucky. A lot of unforced errors, a lot of turnovers you saw at the end of the game where, where uh, uh, was it Meeks or Hicks on the inbound play that got the five-second call? It was Meeks. Okay. You can't do that type stuff. And you're talking about an Oregon team that's going to come in laser-focused. If UNC plays at the level they played against against Kentucky, who did not bring their best game into that that matchup, uh, Oregon can get past them. Now, I also want to note, this is a shout-out to my wife. And my wife listened to me talk about Oregon all year. Every time I watch them, I'm like, God, these guys are good. Right. Um, You and I are in a bracket challenge. Yes. In a civic organization that I'm a part of. my wife entered a bracket, and yes, my wife is in the top five in that bracket, in that bracket challenge. Okay. She's the only person in the top 20, probably, that has Oregon to win the championship. Um, of course, there's no money involved, right? No. Yeah, it's bragging rights only. Um, I want my wife to win that thing so badly, I can't stand it. So I will be pulling for Oregon. Um, I know you will not, but I do. If I had, if if it was my money riding, you're going to pull, pull for Oregon. I, I told you, I didn't know if we get. We're like, we live ten minutes away from each other, and we play golf all the time. I know. We're not playing on any golf anymore, are we? No, we are. What well, if you pull for Oregon and they win? No. <laughs> well, we'll see how this matches up. I know you're going UNC. Um, my heart tells me Oregon because I want my wife to win this thing, and I do really think that Dylan Brooks is the best player in the country. Um, now, nah, you know what? I'm going with Oregon. We're just going to have to disagree. I'm going with Oregon. You're going with UNC. Yes. You're down with that. Yes. We're still friends. Yes. Cool. All right. So when you talk about we we talked about finishing up ball games, um, that comes down to coaching. All right. It, it, the carousel is still spinning, but most of the answers 
you know, with coaching questions around the country have been answered at this point. Um, one of the ones that's most interesting to me is Brad Underwood. Brad Underwood went to, to uh, Oklahoma State last year to take the reins and, uh, you know, had a good year with Oklahoma State. This was a, a step up for him. This was a guy that, you know, was, was sort of on the move. And you had to think looking at it, well, yeah, sort of Oklahoma State is the, you know, the next that that's his his gateway to a big time job. Right. Okay. He'd done three years at Stephen F. Austin, put up a nice record, 89 and 14. Um, got him into the NCAA tournament three times in a row. Sort of like a guy we're going to talk about later with a with a small school like that. Gets to Oklahoma State, 20 and 13, gets him into the NCAAs after a a, a ridiculously slow start. And he's out after one year and takes a job at Illinois. And everybody around the country scratching their head. Brad Underwood, why would you? You know, Illinois is not a powerhouse. That's not one of these big-time programs, really. You know, if you look at it, well, what do you think? Oklahoma State, Illinois. If if you're going to get hired by one school, money is no object. Which one are you going to take? Well, apparently it's a really good in-between job. Illinois is no better than Oklahoma State, but for some reason, I guess it was in the Big Ten in the Big Ten heyday. Oh no, brother! It had nothing to do with it. Had nothing to do with what conference it was in. Illinois offered the guy three million dollars a year. Okay. Oklahoma State was paying him a million bucks a year. Brad Underwood got out of that contract and bounced. But and said, "Give me my cheese." I get it. And he gave, he said, "Give me my cheese," but he also looked at a couple of different things. What What he, were those things? Bill Self. Coach to Illinois. What's he doing right now? It's a good launching pad to the next job. Bruce Weber coached at Illinois. So he's looking at it from the standpoint of like the history of like, okay, if I take this job, Illinois is not his end game. I'm thinking he's looking at, I can get some cheddar. And then I can also, if I can make it work here in the Big Ten, which is not very good right now, I can like, launch into a better job maybe a, not kansas but like bill self went to kansas um i'm not i, I i'll buy what you're selling i'll buy it's what a you're good selling. launching Webber, now, now you, you say that now and you talk about bruce Weber. yeah bruce Weber was there bruce Weber won a national championship there yep um illinois is a long way removed from that national championship run you know this is a program that sort of pops up into the national consciousness Every once in a while. You remember the Nick Anderson, Kendall Gill teams back in the day. Fighting Illini. And then Bruce Weber came in and he had the Darren Williams. And and nice ball club. I just wonder, is it that much better a gig than Oklahoma State? But my real question is, is, you know, T. Boone Pickens is writing the checks at Oklahoma State. Nobody makes any bones about that. That's oil money out there. And they've built their their program. They've been on sort of the you know the cusp of really being a national power because of the money and the resources that they have down there. A little bit of that money couldn't find its way over to the basketball program. Well, I guess apparently not, not. Right? Oklahoma State is just a weird situation. Like they're almost in the mix, but just not quite. You know, it just seems like they can't get out of their own way. So. 
you know, if Illinois wants to scratch the check, uh, Oklahoma State's not ready to make any moves that will get them back to prominence, then it's, uh, it's on them. Well, I guess maybe I answered my own question because when you look at, at, at Brad Underwood, he goes out there, if they're not willing to, you know, jump up and, and pay really what the going rate for a big conference coach is, how does that speak to what they're willing to do in terms of resources and facilities and the rest of that stuff for the basketball program? So maybe that's my answer. But the bottom line is, I don't care what anybody says. He left for the money. A $2 million pay raise, um, making $3 million with that Illinois program, that's what time it is. Yeah, there's worse things to leave for. I wish him the best in Illinois. Um, Oklahoma State got to be, you know, they don't see themselves as second-class citizens anymore in any context. So, nope. the, you know, the Cowboy fans got to be, you know, scratching their heads, a little, little upset. Um, we'll see where that merry-go-round finishes up. Um, when we come back after the break, we're going to talk about some other coaching moves. We're going to talk a little bit of NBA draft, and uh, then we'll put a bow on this. Brandon, any closing thoughts on Oregon UNC? You know, Tar Heels are going to run them out of the building. So, I mean, that's my closing thought if you really want to win. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. You grew up knowing you could do anything. As a soldier in the U.S. Army, you'll test your limits and feel the pride of doing things you never thought possible. With guaranteed training in one of more than 150 career fields, up to $40,000 cash enlistment bonus, you'll earn a steady paycheck, get money for college, and gain valuable experience while you learn how to be a valued team leader. To find out more, call your local Army recruiter or visit us at GoArmy.com. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. The V Foundation and board member Robin Roberts are dedicated to declaring victory over cancer by funding cutting-edge research. Jim Valvano's greatest legacy is the V Foundation. You can help join the fight, give the gift of time. We need passion, we need teamwork and momentum. The time to act is now. There's not a moment to lose. Every dollar counts. Every day counts. To find out how you can join us to defeat cancer, please visit JimmyV.org. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seat. All right, Brandon. Final Four is coming. This is the best time of the year. I, I think that this year's tournament, I, I can't even say that. It's, it, it's not that much better than any other tournament. The, the March Madness, to me, is the greatest sporting event in America, period. I, I, is there a rival? No. I mean, March Madness, Super Bowl – kind of close I mean, but I'm also I live in North Carolina so it's like it's a basketball first area here but for me NFL Super Bowl March Madness it's kind of the same thing for me personally I think the thing that separates it for me is that you know in the Super Bowl 
NFL fans, by and large, are loyal to a particular team. Right. All right. So in the end, you know, this year you had Patriot fans and Falcon fans. And, you know, people try to find a reason to jump on the bandwagon. I think there were an awful lot of Falcon fans that just hated the Patriots. But I really don't think you have a whole lot of people excited. When you get the, you know, you get into the NCAA tournament, everybody has got to tie into to a team somewhere. Um, and it's just a whole lot more exciting. It holds America's um, uh, attention. And to me, it's the greatest spectacle that we have. Uh, hopefully, we get a national championship game out of this that's as good as the rest of the tournament's been. Uh, we were talking about coaching moves before the break. There's a crazy situation brewing out between sort of a corridor from Washington to Missouri. Quanzo Martin had been the coach at the University of Washington. All right, Quanzo Martin is a guy... You know, you get mixed reviews about this fella. Quanzo Martin started as a head coach at Missouri State, small school, um, got him to an NIT, parlayed that in the the wreckage that was the end of the Bruce Pearl 1.0 at Tennessee, went to Tennessee, had some success, left out of there, and went to Cal and really didn't do A great deal. Okay? Yep. Now he's moved on to Missouri after limited success with California. And the reason he's so interesting is that he's been able to snatch away the number one recruit in the country from the University of Washington. And how has he done that? Well, he gave the guy's daddy, (laughs) Michael Porsche Sr., a job on his coaching staff. Now, Michael Porter is, by all accounts, the number one recruit in the country. I haven't seen a single scouting reporter or scouting service that has had Michael Porter Jr. anything other than number one across the board. He was on his way to basically be the second straight number one player in the country to go to the University of Washington. And just like that, Mike Hopkins is hired to come into this Washington program. I think Mike Hopkins shocked the world. Okay, he'd been a, he's been an assistant at, at Syracuse what twenty years? Yeah, that's been a long time. Never no head coaching experience, but it was always assumed by people in the ACC and around the Syracuse program that Mike Hopkins was the heir apparent to Jim Beheim. And I don't know that we'll ever know the truth. Uh, did Mike Hopkins get tired of waiting on the old man to leave? What happened? What, what's your perspective? I, I think J- Jim Beheim is so mad that the <laughs> the Big East basically dissolved, and he ends up in the ACC. He's got some unfinished business. I have no idea how he ended up in the Final Four last year with that Syracuse team. Well, because he, he's one of the greatest coaches in the history of college basketball. He is, Brandon. but to my point, that's to my point. He has more coaching left. I mean, that guy looks like he's in his 70s. He looks like he's in maybe in his 50s. I mean, he's got a lot of juice in the tank. Mike Hopkins, it's not like – it seems to me college basketball is a little different than 
like maybe Jimbo Jimbo Fisher at Florida State seems like it's a little different. Maybe it's not as strenuous of a job like um, when he took over at Florida State. But I guess Mike Hopkins Hopkins got a you know tired of playing second fiddle and wanted to actually make up one of these big paychecks. But back to uh, Kwanzaa Martin Martin at Missouri. You know, I love hearing his interview. He preaches classroom first. <laughs> Quanto doesn't exactly, to me, like, sound like the type of person who, he's saying all the right things. I get it. But then he does a staff change, and then it's, Mike, you know, Porter Sr., Michael Porter Sr., and he's quoting that he's got AAU ties and everybody knows in everybody in the country knows that it's his for his son to secure his son and then you go to Washington Dejan Davis leaves Jalen Noel last is the last remaining recruit that's still hanging on as far as last report I saw that compromised a list of signees that was up to five. He's still hanging on. So Mike Hopkins comes in to basically an empty nest. And last time I heard, Washington only got to the Final Four. Last time they went to the Final Four was in 1953. Last Sweet 16 was in 2010. And I was on my way back from New Zealand and saw them in LAX in 2010. And Washington looked very... Impressive, but that they're big and all that stuff. But, but it's got to be hard to recruit. But it's even worse if you got a coach that's coming in that's running off players, right? Well, I mean, and that's the question: is is what happened? All right. First of all, Washington, the number one player taken in the draft may well be Markel Fools, who you know was the number one recruit in the country. Everybody knew he was going to be a one and done. Um, right behind that. You know, first of all, you're scratching your head. How does the University of Washington get back-to-back number one players in the country? But they get Michael Porter Jr. signed early in the in the process. Dejon Davis, another top 50 recruit that you're talking about, um, a guard. Mike Hopkins takes this gig, goes out to Seattle, is introduced, has, after four or five days on the ground, finally meets with Michael Porter Jr. and his family. And almost immediately after that meeting, the announcement comes, I want out of my letter of intent. And I'm like, wow. Now, I can I, I look at this and I say, well, you know, maybe Mike Hopkins comes out there and asked him, look, what are your plans? And he said, look, I'm going to the, I'm going to the league next year. And, and Mike Hopkins didn't want to come in and, you know, build his program and have to deal with all of that going around. I mean, you, you, if you know a guy is one and done, some coaches embrace that, some don't. But then, 72 hours later, Dejon Davis announces, yeah, I think I went out of my letter of intent as well. So you're talking about two top 50 recruits gone. Markel Fultz, who is, you know, far and away the best player on the team is a one and done. You're so late in the process, there's not a whole lot of recruiting to do at this point, um, unless you're trying to pick off transfer, you know, kids that got out of the letter of intent with Washington. Um, but there's, you know, Hopkins... It could be brutal for him next year. And you're yeah, talking about a guy with no track record. I, I would have to assume that the AD at, at the University of Washington is going into this eyes wide open and kind of feels like, you know what, it can't get much worse out here. 
You know, this is not a team that's ever, you know, sustained any success. And we got to look up the road at Gonzaga, you know, a, a school that's a, a fraction of our size. And, you know, they're getting it done. They're in the Sweet 16 every year. We got to do something. So good luck to Mike Hopkins. But this is a interesting beginning to his tenure at best. And Detlev, um Brendan Roy is not walking around the corner <laughs> anytime soon. He's injured. And Detlev Shrimp, who's like one of my favorite players that ever came out of Washington and played for the Supersonics. I'm a huge Sean Kemp and Gary Payton fan. He's not walking around that corner either. So what do you do with Washington? Who You just don't. If you live on the East Coast, you never hear about the Huskies. No. Ever. I had to look closely when we were in the airport at their jerseys to find out who they were. That's funny. Well, the other coaching moves that have gotten everybody's attention, especially here in North Carolina, Archie Miller, you know, for a minute was the name on on the tip of everybody's tongue. Um, we've talked that to death that we feel like, you know, North Carolina State had to have made a pass at Archie Miller. Uh, they hired Kevin Keats. And I guess the assumption here was, well, Archie Miller is – not interested in leaving Dayton, or he's holding out for a blue blood job. Kind of a surprise when not only Steve Alford didn't leave UCLA to go home to Indiana, but Archie Miller slid in there and is now maybe at the job that he'll keep the rest of his days. It kind of depends on your perspective of what Indiana is in this day and age and whether or not there's still a blue blood program or not. But you've got – that's amazing when you think in terms of, you know, Sean Miller being at Arizona, which is a traditional powerhouse, and now Archie Miller at one of the all-time great programs. Uh, that's some good parenting skills right there. Yeah. I think they I think their dad should get together with Frank Martin about how to motivate young people, write a, a parenting book, and they'll be the Dr. Spock of, of you know, 2017. I, I think it's a great idea, man. I'm going to pitch that, and I'm going to represent them. How do you like that? Just or get together and have a baby together since they, they produce so many good kids. But I will say this, Archie Miller, I was listening to the interview uh, on Mike and Mike yesterday, I believe. And I can't imagine being a parent in that living room when he's throwing out his recruiting pitch. Not a dynamic guy, is he? He's boring. He'll put most parents to sleep. Yeah, I mean, the days of like, well, I'll keep him safe and make sure he's going to class and I'll put him on the right path to success, that's over. <laughs> you know. So, kind of, so what you're saying is Archie Miller wouldn't have done well to go to UCLA and deal with LeVar Ball for the next couple of years because he's not trying to hear the, you know, I'm going to make you more well rounded It's just the old school. Told. That's how you recruit in the 80s, maybe early 90s, mid 90s. But as we get. You know, into the future a little bit. Calipari, um, Coach K had enough, you know, earned enough currency to ha- have players be interested in his program. Imagine Roy Williams in your living room. Dadgummit. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to get your kid, to, like, not only into the Final Four, but into the NBA. That's a good pitch for me. Um, I think NC State dodged the bullet by not getting him and getting um Coach Keats. Keats. Wow. Wow. Archie Miller will be done at Indiana in, I would say, maybe 40 years. He'll be done. That's an amazing prediction. I mean, I'm I'm blown away by that. Yeah. Which which may mean that Steve Alford gets another bite at the apple at some point down the road. Because Alford, I I was convinced he was going to go to Indiana. I thought for certain, but I was wrong. And we'll close with that. Chris was wrong. 
Have a great week, folks. We'll see you on Monday Monday evening. Uh, you've been listening to Chris and Brandon on the Cheap Seats. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Atkin. You might not love your seats, but you'll love the show. When I was just a tiny baby, I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed completely against my will, solely for somebody's profit. Then I started to grow bigger, and they locked me away for life. If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, would you still pay to pet her? Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years, and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve.